The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome to season two, episode two. Um, Other than freaking out right now because I can't log into any of my Instagram accounts and can't give you stories, um, I'm really excited to be recording this second solo for the second episode. We're going to talk about a few things. Um, One is toxic friendships. Basically, I mean, everyone has had them. I've had them. I recently wrote in my advice to myself when I was 22 to, you know, not that 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 girl that you go out with is not your friend. Um, So basically, and also they're drilling above as usual. They're never not drilling. So if you hear that, I'm sorry. But basically, I used to go out with this girl um, when I had just graduated from college and she was a year older. All her friends were in relationships at the time. So she like needed people to go out with. And I introduced her to all my friends and really like made sure that, you know, she was having a good time and had people. And, um, very quickly she, um, I had been like hooking up with this guy at the time and I would always talk to her about him. And she would talk to me about this guy that she was hooking up with. And then we ended up going on a trip and I wasn't hooking up with the guy anymore. We had like just kind of ended, but there were still feelings there. She ended up flirting with the guy and then ended up dating him. Um, So obviously I'm not one of those like blame the girl types, but um, like if you talk to someone every day about a guy and then they go and date them, like that's pretty fucking nuts. So yeah, that girl was not my friend at all. Ironically, she ended up with a guy who was also my ex, which is hilarious. But anyway, so, you know, toxic friendships, like they can happen to the best of us. And also friends can go through toxic times with you um, as well. And like it can change if they work on themselves, but it also could not change if they don't. I have a friend who I'm still really close with today who at one point we had a toxic friendship. I felt as if she only wanted to hear the bad stuff that was going on in my life. Like when things were good for me, she was nowhere to be found and not interested. But when, you know, I had just gotten dumped or lost a job or whatever it was, she was the first person to listen. And it's really easy to get in that trap where you think that that's a good friend because they are there for you in bad times. But real friends are there for you in good times too um, and are happy for you when things are going well and are so heartbroken for you when things aren't. But they're not around just to hear the bad stuff. So I think, you know, and then there's the there are the friends that aren't serving you anymore. If you're around my age, which is 28, you're likely to have less friends from high school than you do college and like late starting to have later in life because just your high school friends, like they're great. But a lot of the time when you met them, when you became close with them, you were different people. And unless you grow in the same trajectory, it's very common that you do, you know, run out of things to talk to or things in common and things that you like to do similarly. You know, that can happen too. I mean, I, I love my high school friends to death. Um, 
and I love my college friends. Definitely have like less in common with my high school friends these days, but I still, you know, have a lot of love for them. So I think, you know, the way to think about a friendship and if it's toxic, like if one way to think of it is if you didn't reach out to them, would you hear from them? Um, And you want to make sure that there are two sides to this friendship and you're not the only one putting in effort because that that's not good. Um, someone asked to discuss the do's and don'ts of online dating profiles. One of my favorite subjects, we actually do dating consultations. Um, if you go to wemetatacme.com, you'll see all the information for that. But um, I would say do be funny. Um, don't take yourself too seriously don't write exactly what you want. Like I'm looking for a husband or I'm looking for my last relationship because that's freaky. And also like you have no idea what you're looking for until you see it. Do ask your friends to look over your profile. I have so many friends that like had an online dating profile and kind of like never let anyone see it. And I thought that that was crazy because it's like, how do you know I don't know. You, it's like we think that pictures of us are good when our friends don't and vice versa. So I think that's really important. Don't post too many bikini pics or pictures with your shirt shirts off. I guess you can post like one tasteful one, but you don't want people going there for like your abs or for your boobs or for your ass. You want them, you know, going because they liked your funny answers to questions and things like that. Um, don't post pictures with exes. That's really dumb. Don't blur out people's faces who aren't you. That makes you look sketchy. Don't lie about your age. Obviously don't not include your last name. Do make fun of yourself a little bit. I think that's fine. Um, don't be too boring. It's actually ironic because I always make fun of my boyfriend's hinge profile when we first met because it was boring. And then I asked him why it was so boring after the fact. And he was like, because in case any of my friends saw me on there, I didn't want to be made fun of, Um, which is cute. But don't think like that. Put yourself out there. Be your authentic self. And I think that's pretty much it. I mean, don't post too many pictures on mountains and holding babies and with dogs. Don't dog fish. Apparently that's a new thing where you post a picture with a dog and people think it's your dog, but you're lying. Um, So don't do that. How to have the upper hand um, and whether or not having the upper hand means anything. I think this depends on your situation. I think sometimes in a relationship, it can go back and forth. One person might have the upper hand, then the other person has it goes back and forth. Um, In a breakup, which we talked about in a poll question recently, it's harder to have the upper hand if you were the one that was broken up with um, because obviously, you know, that's... You're just... You're not in the best position when you're broken up with, which is fine. Everyone's been there. Um, But you can regain the upper hand if it's important to you by not ever speaking to that person again. And even when they reach out, ignoring them. Um, I mean, they always come back. They'll start to miss you, whatever. So that is really how to have the upper hand. And then also like 
someone told me this when I was younger and it stuck with me, even though it's so fucked up to say, but the person who cares less has the upper hand, um, which isn't something you should strive for. I mean, you should both care and that's the mark of a good relationship. I guess if one person cares a lot less, that's also a sign of a bad relationship, but they probably also have the upper hand. So we did the things I wish I knew at 22 and I will go over the things that I said. I said, don't date someone who is still in college. Obviously, we know that I did that and it wasn't a good idea. Um, I said, you're skinny. And I only said you're skinny because I, it has nothing to do with like, oh my God, being skinny is amazing by any means. But it's just like, don't worry about your weight. Like who cares? You're young, you're 22, enjoy life. That girl you go out with is not your friend who, you know, we spoke about that. Guys who are 26 are not mature and don't have their shit together. This is important because I remember when I was 21, 22, talking, you know, to girls and and friends and whatnot, I would be like, oh, I just want a 26 year old. Like they're just, they know what they're doing. Like they, they just get it. They're old enough. Like they're, they're ready. And that's first of all, delusional. Um, because I'm 28 and 28 year old guys aren't even close to being ready. Um, so just realize that you're probably not going to meet a really mature guy at 22 unless, you know, you're dating 10 years older, but, um, likely you're not. So just enjoy your 22 year old self. Just listen to Taylor Swift's 22 and live it up. Um, if a guy says he's not perfect, pay attention. I actually remember there was a guy I was dating and I thought he was so perfect and it moved pretty fast. And I said to him one, which is another red flag. And I said to him one night, I was like, you're perfect. And he was like, no, I'm not. Trust me. And I just thought like, oh, that's what a perfect person would say. Um, But he was right. And he ended up being a douchebag. And like more or less cheating on me or whatever we had um, in Miami with like a bottle girl type person. And luckily I found out via Vine at the time. I don't know if this is too old for you guys, but um, Vine was a thing. And that's how I found out that he was grinding with this other girl. And I broke up with him. Thank God. But yeah, when someone says they're not perfect, pay attention. Allow people in your life to change. Um, This was really hard for me because... I was just not ready. And I was in this place where I just graduated from college. I had my home friends because I'm from New York City and I was living here and I had my school friends and I just wasn't ready for a real change. I wasn't ready to start doing different things. And I think my college friends were and I just felt like really out of that out of that, you know? And then, and then I had like a a really good friend who I'm still really close with who had just like come out of the closet and he was doing different things and like embracing that side of himself. And my sister was changing so much and she had just met her now husband and everyone was changing and it just, it didn't sit right with me. And so instead of just embracing everyone's change, I like made everyone's life a living hell. Um, which I don't recommend. But again, this was right before I started going to therapy. 
Um, I should have added to this, uh, go to therapy, because once I did go to therapy, everything became so clear. I became so much more self-aware and realized like I am not the victim and I perpetuated a lot of these issues in my relationships with people for various reasons, but mostly because I was not allowing people to change because I wasn't ready to change. Um, and I feel like now I've made so many changes in my life and anyone who isn't ready for that, like I don't want to be a part of. So now I'm really on the other side and I really see it, um, which I feel really grateful for. I said, don't get into a bad habit, like weed every night, wine after work. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory, but you know, you can do so much more when you're not stuck to needing a drink or needing a joint. No need to recycle an ex. You didn't even like him the first time. Um, I mean, we all get to a place where we're like not in a good place or we're not talking to any dudes or any girls. And we go into the recycling bin and we get an ex. Um, and I did that. And he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. And I actually almost feel terrible that I did try to recycle him because I wasn't interested the first time around. And I definitely wasn't interested the second time around. And I feel like I just strung him along. And I'll never forget my uncle, after meeting this guy, sat me down and he was like, this is never like, this is not the guy for you. And I was like, why? And he was like, he's just so boring, like too nice. And for my uncle to say that, I was like, yeah, that must be, must be correct. Um, the drilling is back. So I'm sorry if you hear that. Um, if they haven't defined it within three months, especially after six, move on. There were two guys I dated. Um, one guy was like really attractive, but dumb. Um, and so I never wanted to date him, but I ended up hooking up with him for like a long time. It was like nine months or something. And I think after hooking up with someone for that long, whether or not you want it to be something, you get really confused in your head. Like, you know, I've been doing this for so long. Like, why isn't this something? Even though I don't want it to be something. And I got to that point. And then I got to that point again with another guy later on um, where we were like casually hooking up for like six months. And I never wanted to define it. And I never made it seem like I wanted to define it. But guys are trash. And he... He ended up taking me on a walk and being like, I just don't think we're going to get married. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we're not even exclusive. But I think that's just a perfect lesson about like, you know what? Just don't hook up with a guy for more than three months because either they're going to get the wrong idea or you're going to get the wrong idea or just make it very clear. Like this is, I don't want this to go anywhere. I'm happy, you know, hooking up, having sex sometimes, make it a fuck buddy. But don't, you know, get confused after hooking up for like months and months thinking like, wait, why isn't this something? If you don't even want it to be something, it just, it gets too confusing. And if they still talk to their ex, I'll never forget my ex had like a Snapchat streak with his ex. And I like tried overlooking it a few times. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Um, He's trash. So don't ever let that fly. You're all too good for that. Um way too good. And then lastly, I don't understand why exes think it's a good idea to bond over dating you. That's not cute. It's not a good look. Don't do it. Someone told me recently, an ex told me recently that him and another ex of mine bonded over dating me. 
it just puts such a bad taste in my mouth. Like, so you both are just talking shit, you know, either that or like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's it's weird. It's weird. Like, don't bond with your ex's ex over dating them. If there's anything else you can bond over, perfect. But not over having a mutual ex. I mean, again, unless this is someone that you genuinely see a friendship with, but otherwise it's it just, it's hurtful. Like, you wouldn't want that happening to you, so don't do it to someone else. And those are my thoughts. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It's with Nick, who is a farmer and really sweet and awesome. And um, there's no one drilling in the background. So hopefully you'll have a, an easier time hearing it. Don't forget our show in Boston is in a matter of days. Go to wemetatacme.com slash tour for more information and hope you enjoy the episode. I was so scared that switching to natural deodorant would really make me smell and be gross. And I just really didn't want that, especially because I layer up no matter what the weather is. So I'm sweating often. So it was really important to me when I tried out native deodorant to make sure that I still smelled good and was happy with the results. And thank God I did. And it's been incredible. I love this company. They don't do any animal testing. They're safe. Like, obviously, it's amazing. I mean, they have over 8,000 five-star reviews. They've been featured in a million different media publications. And the ingredients are simple as fuck. Like, it's just... It's great. It has no... There's no aluminum like there are in other deodorants. And that can be really dangerous to your health. I bet you didn't even know that. Um, I mean, I didn't know that before I started using Native. The products are great. I'm a big fan of the deodorant and they it's actually scented. So it's not like it's completely, you know, one of those things that you only smell your own scent, which is kind of a lot. Um, I personally love the coconut and vanilla deodorant, but they also have lavender and rose, cucumber and mint and eucalyptus and mint, which is nice and, you know, calming. And they offer free returns and exchanges. It's totally worth it. You know all the ingredients. There's no additives, like anything that, you know, could be really bad for you, which would be scary and dangerous. Um, And you still smell great. So for 20% off your first purchase, go to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code ACME. And you know, you can impress your date by telling them that not only do you smell good, but you're doing things that are good for your body. So go to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code ACME for 20% off your first purchase now. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm super excited to be here with plant consultant, Farmer Nick. Hey, Nick. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Thanks for being here. So we are actually not on my couch tonight. We are at a studio and it's very chic. It's in Soho. I'm loving it here, right? Yeah, it needs a few more plants. But other than that, it's a good place to be. That's what it's lacking. We have that mini plant in the corner, but I'm not sure if it's real. No fake plants. That's my one rule. I think they need a plant consultant. I'm going to have to, yeah, you have to give me their business card. We'll, I we'll make it happen. I definitely will. <laughs> um, but it smells, it smelled really good in here. Like I walked in and there was a good, a good whiff of, I don't know what it was, but Nick, how old are you and where are you from? I am 27 years old. Uh, I'm a New Yorker, but just North, I guess you'd call it upstate from mm. Westchester. 
um, born Which and part? raised in White Plains, New York. Okay, I know White Plains. Yeah, so uh, not a not a huge commute, right? Um, but uh, now I live over in uh, Kipps Bay. Nice. And when is your birthday? April thirteenth. Oh, you're an Aries. Yes. Very interesting. And what is your current relationship status? So I am happily in a relationship with my partner, Deandra. Uh, we met on Hinge about three years ago. It's really cute. And uh, yeah, moved into the city. We're looking at new apartments in Brooklyn, making the jump. But uh, life's good. I can't complain. New apartments as in you already live together? We already live together. Okay, nice. And how did that happen? Was it natural? Uh, kind of. I mean, for me, it was very spontaneous and actually... You know, her lease was coming up. I was looking to move into the city. And we just said, hey, you know, I know it's only been eight months or mm. whatever it was at the time, not a year. And we said, you know what? Why not just go for it? If we're going to be in this anyway and we for think sure. it's going to go somewhere, let's just do it. So you moved in together after eight months. I think it ended up being after a year, but we decided at eight months that we were going to do it. I see. And what is her birthday? Her birthday is November 8th. Oh, she's a Scorpio. Aries and Scorpio are a very interesting match, actually. It's not like common because you both are super. Are you into this at all? Do you even know what I'm saying? I. It's like you're speaking a different language. Right. So <laughs> you're both like very intense personalities. Like neither of you are like wallflowers. I would know? agree with that. Yeah. Well, speaking of flowers, so how did you get into the whole plant thing? You know, it's funny. I, uh, growing up in White Plains, had a backyard, was always interested in my health and wellness, um, was a former college athlete up at Tufts University, um, was also a personal trainer. So what I put into my body was really important to me. Mm. And when I graduated back in 2014, my mom said I had to do something around the house before my job at IBM started. So I actually started gardening. And I had this great little farm in my backyard and I just became obsessed. So what did you make? I was growing heirloom tomatoes, sweet Whoa. potatoes, eggplant, um, you name it, I was growing it and it just became like an obsession. Mm. And then having moved into the city, all of a sudden you go from this beautiful, quiet, green lifestyle to all of a sudden this area that's kind of devoid of any green. It was kind of startling to me. And plants do so much for my well-being in general and my mental health. So right. the first thing I did was just start buying house plants. And I have kind of a naturally green thumb, just dove into the research. And all of a sudden, my girlfriend was like, hey, you know, you should post on Instagram about this. Mm. I was like, guys don't do Instagram. Like, right. this isn't what I, I'm not doing this. And she goes, seriously, like, do it. And she started taking pictures. And all of a sudden, the following started to grow. It started to increase. And then, you know, I went to a party and some woman said, hey, you know, your Instagram is amazing. Like how many clients do you have? And I said, too many to count. Like right. let's, let's do it. Let's right. work together. And that's how I started my, my wow. side hustle plant consulting business. Okay. So let's rewind for a second. So when yeah. you were living at home, you were gardening and you said like you had this like plant lifestyle. Does that mean you were eating what you were gardening and oh, stuff yeah. like that? Like, like primarily. Every summer and fall, we're harvesting everything that we had. And we had a decent amount of food. Mm -hmm. My mom is the the beneficiary of it now because I still kind of manage it from afar. Right. It's like my Westchester CSA share. Mm -hmm. um, but she loves it. And everything is super fresh. It tastes so much better. And it's local, which is important. That is very important. And so now that you're back in New York, do you still have like a plant uh, i don't know if it's plant-based or just like a healthy lifestyle oh yeah i mean my girlfriend and i decided to go uh what we call vegan ish mm -hmm. um, about two years ago now so 
basically any meal we cook for ourselves is vegan, but on those 10% occasions where you're going out with friends or mom makes something, I'm not going to be socially inconvenient, um, but definitely been, have inspired some other choices for my family and friends, which is good. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so interesting when you said your girlfriend was like, we should take pictures of you like for Instagram, because personally, like I feel like I would be like not interested in a guy who like posts selfies and things (laughs) like that. You know what I mean? So what was her thought process? Did she have like a business mind when she was thinking about her? Or was she just like, you love it. Let's do it. So she is so tactical. Like Mm -hmm. everything she does has purpose. And that's part of the reason why I love her so much. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, she saw something in me that I didn't see yet. And she said, hey, you can do this and you can chase this. And it's led to so many fantastic opportunities. And there was definitely a learning curve. Like I didn't want to be the Instagram boyfriend taking pictures on the street of her. So why would I want my partner to be doing the same for me? Right. Um, but she saw the opportunity. And for her, it was a no-brainer. Like, hey, like you're different in this space. You have some knowledge. You're good at what you do. So let's just inspire people, make them laugh and you know, get them a little bit uh, more green. I mean, that's awesome. And she's like, kudos to her for being so not only creative, but like confident in your relationship to put you out there like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's uh, she's good in that way. But I saw, I just like, like had to just, you know, look at the Instagram before you came here. And there were like some shirtless photos as well. <laughs> and I can't imagine her being like, take off your shirt, Nick. This one is like, you know, more about the six pack than the plants. Sometimes you have to throw in the occasional plant thirst trap to draw people to, you know, the, the, the blog post ad, which is about summer plant care and keeping your plants looking healthy and fit. Um, <laughs> I do admit that every now and then you got to just sprinkle it in and, right. and people actually ask about the fitness and that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, you know, it, it's kind of like a 360 degree lifestyle change because if I'm doing plants in everything that I do, health and wellness and your physical appearance are, are part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've had a bunch of people asking like, hey, what's your workout routine? How can right. I change my diet? All these different things. So um, sometimes she uh, begrudgingly takes the photos, but in this instance, it was her idea, which which is even better. <laughs> that is great. And what do your clients look like? I can't imagine hiring a plant consultant if unless yeah. I was like, you know, an Upper East Side mom or like someone with a lot of space. You know what I mean? And maybe some time You too. do get a few Tribeca moms mm-hmm. in there who have the means to be able to do it. And their apartments are great because they're all floor-to-ceiling windows. But um, in general, I mean, I have worked with anyone who is, you know, from a 24-year-old millennial who just moved to the city to a 65-year-old man who's got three houses in Connecticut. Right. Um, it really does uh, vary. And I think it's just this movement that is taking place right now where people want to feel more connected to nature. It's this theory of biophilia that we're just inherently as humans drawn to green. And we're just sort of seeing this sort of happen just as sustainability is to having a moment, environmentalism, protecting the world. So I think all three of those things combined are really making for a a diverse clientele and an interest in the plant world. Right. And is it just plants or like if I was, if I said to you, I'm walking home after this, I want to pick up you know, some flowers to put in a vase, like what is going to make me feel good? What's going to like cultivate good energy in my home? I get the energy question a Mm -hmm. lot. Um, And I think, you know, I started out doing most of the houseplant stuff. When people ask me about, 
you know, rooftop gardens and agriculture. That's my specialty. I love that. Right. Um, but there are people who want just fresh flowers in the home and things like that. And and I usually will work with them on those projects. But in general, I want them to pursue something where they're understanding that, hey, it's not just a piece of furniture. It's something that's living and you caring for this thing, maybe for the first time as a millennial, like that is something that is going to be therapeutic for you as well and something that you're going to learn from. Well, what advice would you give to someone who like just graduated from school, has their first apartment, a bunch of roommates, not really much, you know, exposure to the sun? Yeah. You know, barely even a window that in the room. That starter apartment, which is like a yeah, dungeon, right? Exactly. Like, how is that person going to create life with plants? And So there's always a possibility, right? And, you know, I've dealt with people who have literally no light at all. And in those cases, we're going with a preserved moss wall, right? Um, but in, in many cases, even with little light, you know, doing something like a pothos plant or a snake plant, um, things that can survive in lower light and also detoxify the air, produce little oxygen in the room just brightens the space and, and provides a whole different energy to what was probably a barren, you know, pre-war apartment. Right. Do you so, have plants at home? So I actually don't. And Ugh. I think that you need to tell me what to, what to have. And, and the reason fix that. is because I, I had a roommate forever. Okay. And she just moved out. So I just recently knocked down the wall and I'm now for the first nice. time, like creating my own space, you know? And so I do the flowers thing because it, it's really nice to come home to flowers. And mm. I have like a little kind of like something like this, you know, I'm pointing to like a small flower pot, which is like a centerpiece for a table. And then I have like a bigger, like real, like, like peonies or something. Um, but in general, I don't have a big plant. And my sister got a big plant like a few months ago and she loves hers. <laughs> So I guess I'm just like, I don't know where to start and where to look and how much I'm supposed to spend. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it definitely varies. The, the first thing I, I recommend to people is that, you know, people don't kill plants, bad environments kill plants. So if you're looking at your space and you realize, and you have to be honest with yourself, like, A, like, what does my lighting look like? And what am I capable of doing from a maintenance and, and taking care of it perspective? Mm. So once you narrow down those things, the options are kind of limitless if you have a decent amount of light. Um, and it's fun. I love taking my clients plant shopping with me. I actually encourage it because I don't want them to not form a relationship with the plant and the life that they're bringing into their home. And it's awesome because you see them walking around, checking out each plant. They name their plants. Right. It becomes kind of a very personal experience. and. Mm. Uh, everyone loves just being able to go in and bring something home for the first time. So we should we should go plant shopping together. Let's make we it happen. We definitely should. Absolutely. So our plant brands, I don't even know if there are plant brands, but are there <laughs> plant brands that are paying oh, yeah. you now to promote their specific plant? Has it gotten to that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely some brands that I work with. Uh, my favorite is The Sill, which I'm sure you've seen here in the city. Um, they've got a massive Instagram following. They are in New York, San Francisco, L.A., and they do a really good job for, especially for newer plant parents, just giving them all the tools they need to mm. just start this for the first time. And their branding is really, really well done. So we should start there. Definitely. And we will be making a time to go plant shopping after this. But more importantly, considering this is a dating podcast, <laughs> and that's why you were told that you had to come on here. Absolutely. I would love to hear about how you met your girlfriend and what if you were into plants as much as you are now when you did meet and how that, you know, came into play. 
Yeah. So this was a little over three years ago now. And I was all over the the app game. And I had Hinge and Bumble and you know, wasn't really into Tinder at that point. That was sort of, you know, falling behind. Right. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, I just gotten out of a long relationship. I wasn't looking for anything. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to meet as many new people as possible. And being in the city was a whole new experience for me. And I also don't drink um, and I don't do caffeine. I'm like as straight edge as they come. So I don't drink coffee either. But really? I do love Diet Coke. So Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the no caffeine and no alcohol thing definitely Yeah, where did the no difference. alcohol thing come from? So it's funny, my you know, in high school, it's just like, oh, I'm just kind of scared of my mom Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all the big mama's boy, which uh, definitely influenced that decision. And then come college, you know, everyone was smarter than me, bigger, faster, stronger. But if I was waking up at eight in the morning and I could lift and study and run and do all these things and they're waking up at 11 hungover, I had an edge. So it was just kind of you know, part of my competitiveness that, that mm-hmm. drove that. And it's something that's kind of stuck ever since. So but you've it, never had a sip of alcohol? I've had, so I've had eight beers my whole life, usually Whoa. out for like a special occasion. Like when I graduated, I had one with my dad. Right. Right. When the season was over, I had one with my coach. I know, I know people who have had eight beers in a night. I, I know a lot more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, but it made dating hard. Mm-hmm. Like you, you go to these bars and you see people and you're the sober guy trying to, you know, hit on someone you don't know if they're drunk when you approach them. For sure. Right. So it was easier for me to use the apps because I could very upfront say, hey, listen, like, I'm not into this. And if this is a deal breaker for you, then like, let's move on. So you would tell them that you don't drink in the first like app combo. Very, very soon. Because how would you say it? Usually it would come up, uh, you know, when they say like, oh, like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, you want to meet at a bar potentially? And I said, hey, totally fine if we meet at a bar, but just letting you know, like, I'm not going to be drinking. Uh, and sometimes it scares people away because they think like, oh, did he have a problem in the past? Right. Like, why is he not doing this? So it was a really good way for me to filter out people who it was just not going to be a thing for. And my girlfriend, actually, she suggested we get smoothies. So it was, really a, it was already a, a win from the start. And does she drink? She does. Um, yeah. Casually, nothing. I, I would say that she... Uh, is definitely more of a lightweight since dating me. Mm. Um, but I think that's just, you know, I, she she's recreational about it. It's pretty easy for her. Right. And did you have anyone who kind of like didn't believe that you didn't have a problem? Because like, you know, <laughs> you know, when people are like, why wouldn't you drink? Like, come on, let's just have a drink. You know, those pushers. Yeah. And people do push about it sometimes. And they're like, oh, like your first time getting drunk is going to be with me. And like, blah, blah, blah. But um in general, most people kind of, they figured out, they respect it. And I think more and more people are choosing to drink less. So it's not as odd as it would have Mm. been like maybe 10 years ago. Um, The funny thing is when we go out, my girlfriend will introduce me and she goes, oh no, Nick doesn't need anything. He's sober, which doesn't always (laughs) give the right Right, connotation up front, but I've made it work. For sure. Well, but you called yourself sober. Uh, did I? I yeah, you were. Know. I think. I mean, I have to listen back, but I think you were like, "I'm sober and I don't really have caffeine." I usually know? just say like, "I don't drink at all." Right. Um, right. Maybe you said I don't drink. Yeah, yeah. and it just sort of stuck with me. And right. you know, I don't. I don't. I, I get it. People love it, and mm-hmm. it's just never been for me. Mm-hmm. And how do your parents? And do you have siblings? I have a little sister. How did? How do the three of them feel about? So they're all drinkers. Uh And like my sister just turned 21. So like she's starting to drink now. So she just had her first sip of alcohol. She did. And like now seeing her at the table, like with a glass of wine, I'm just like, 
uh-huh. freaking out a little bit in my head. Like, this, you know, she's six years younger, so it's a pretty big right. gap. Right, that's crazy. Uh, so she's still like a, my little baby sister. So mm-hmm. uh, my mom is is never convinced. She always thinks that like I'm hiding something. That's hilarious. Why would she think that though? Uh, she's like that skeptical Jewish mother mm-hmm. who like never fully believes that her son's telling the truth, mm-hmm. but she's uh she's she's come around. My dad like is like a beer at night kind of guy, loves beer, all that right, stuff. So right. it's uh it's been weird for them, I think, to have a kid who has no desire in it at all. For sure. Definitely. I actually have a similar situation. I don't really drink um either. And my I would yeah, both my parents I would say are like, you know, they need their their wine at night for yeah. sure. So but it like it kind of goes over their head. Like they're just like, "Do you want some?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> like, so, are you like, sure? Still no. <laughs> so yeah. what what what's your reason for not drinking? I just like, you know, it's a it's a multitude of reasons. But for me, I just I'm allergic to wine and I'm allergic mm. to beer and champagne because of sulfates and oh, amines. Okay. So I was dealt like a difficult card when it came to drinking. And this wasn't always the case. I was not allergic in college Mm. and like would drink wine all the time with my friends. And I developed like an onset adult allergy to to wine and beer and champagne, like to these sulfates and to like fruit as well. It's like, it's pretty rough. rough. It's a rough allergy. And so I, when I, when this first happened, I was like, I can't, like I had to test the waters to see what I could drink, you know? And the only thing I could drink was like hard, hard alcohol. Mm. And while every now and then like it's fun to drink that, you know, it wasn't like, it, it's like zero to a hundred, you know, when you're having tequila and someone else is like having a glass, a nice glass. Tequila night was always the the sloppiest of all the nights. Exactly. And so I was like, I just don't, like, I don't feel like I can find a middle ground to this, you know, because of my situation. Like, it's just not easy for me. It's so black and white. And like, I'd rather it be easier for me than really just intense and, and tequila for me. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I just don't, I just like plead the fifth. Instead. I love it. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, no, go ahead. And you, you felt good about it, like socially it hasn't changed you I at all. Did. I honestly, I think that the only difference when I was drinking a lot is that I had absolutely no filter, and <laughs> I naturally don't have much of a filter. Like I'm a podcast host, yeah. So I didn't need more. Like I didn't need even less of a filter than that. Um, need some boundary at least. Some boundary, and yeah. I think. It's just, it's so interesting what you notice not drinking, like when you're around people who are drinking. It's a, it's a whole it's different almost world. Like, yeah, it's almost like too much. Like I'm like, <laughs> no, like I don't want to see that. Well, I don't want to see these sides of people. Well, that was my move in college. Like, right. I'd show up to the the party and I'd be there for 30 minutes, say my hellos and then just get out. Right. So then all my drunk friends were like, oh, wow, Nick, you came out last night. That was yeah. awesome. Oh my God, like, totally, yeah, totally. Awesome time. Totally. But like when you're there, it's like you're seeing things with a whole new perspective. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I mean, there's so many people, while there are so many people who are drinking less, which is so great, there are so many people who should be drinking less who are not, you know? And like when you see, like when you're completely, your eyes are completely open, you see who should and shouldn't be drinking as well. And it's not like, obviously, obviously not your place to say anything, but like you see a personality change, for example, and you're like, oh, 
wow, like I wonder if anyone notices this other than me, you know, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah, totally agree. It's like it's like a superpower that you don't ask for, (laughs) but you get. So tell me you and your girlfriend, I'm assuming you met on one of the apps that you were on. We met on Hinge. Um, I was her first ever Hinge date. Wow, you believe that lie? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I do. I do believe it. Um, But I definitely have said that to a guy lying I'm sure. She still sticks with it, which Uh at this point you'd think she'd at least open up if she was lying. Uh, So I was her first uh, Hinge date. Uh, Why had she not been on it before? She, I mean, she's never like one to like throw herself into the dating scene, which mm-hmm. is always into her own thing and her mission and what she wants to accomplish. And, um, you know, she downloaded on a whim, matched with me, and that was her first date. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, I had three that day, which was not the intent. Um, but after hers, I was just like, okay. You like, had three dates that day. I had three dates that day. What was breakfast, lunch, and dinner? It was, uh, it was lunch, uh, smoothies, and then uh, like dinner, apps, wine kind of thing. I respect. I mean, I used yeah. to do the same stuff. I mean, for me at the time, it was a volume game. Like I just want to try and meet as many yeah. people as possible so I can figure out what I don't like as well. That's mm-hmm. important. Um, and she was the second date. And after that, I'm sitting here at this third date just like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Like all I could think about was was her and the smoothies. That Well, we actually didn't get to go to smoothies because there was the smoothie place was closed. But um, I just couldn't. So you Stop were like thinking, thinking about, about that this day. movie that you never got to see. Exactly, eat. <laughs> right? And we just like hung out and it was awesome. Yeah. And, um, from that point on, it was uh, we, a couple other dates. She was actually mad that I hadn't kissed her yet after the third date. Um, she thought, I would be mad too. She thought I was gay. Um, <laughs> and like, I was just thinking like, oh, I'm going to show her that I'm really into her. Right. And I'm not going to kiss her until like the third date. Yeah. But she was all confused. I would be too. I get questions all the time. Yeah. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Like when in your mind and your experience, obviously you've interviewed tons first of people on date, this. First date, kiss me. First yeah. date? No way. For sure. I mean, first or second at the very latest. But third, Ugh. I would I would be thinking… One, is he gay? Two, does he not like me? Three, is he trying to friend zone me? Like, those are all the things she said she thought. Yeah. And I thought I'm out here trying to be like a respectful gentleman, not trying to. Respectful gentleman is not move. trying to fuck on the third <laughs> day. <laughs> well, I, have, I had a one month rule for that, which could also be somewhat controversial, but. You uh, wouldn't sleep with someone until a month? Until like we had hung out for like a month. That's my rule. It's a good rule. Yeah. Good well, rule. Well, it's like not a spoken rule, but that's I, like. Yeah. Assuming that you see the person consistently throughout the month. Yes. Like not yes. like it's not like, you know, it doesn't count if they go away and whatever. Yeah. But still with my boyfriend of a year and a half and I waited a, a year. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. <laughs> wow, he stayed that long. That's impressive. <laughs> I waited a month to have sexual relations. Wow. Yeah. We're yeah. we're twins. But why is what's your like mindset behind the waiting? I think the the thing for me is uh, I don't want to make a mistake. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not one of these people who's into like the one night stand thing. I had had one of those experiences um, back in like sophomore year of, of college and it just wasn't rewarding or fulfilling for me. Um, and when you're like, hey, like, let's cuddle. And she's like, hey, go home. Like, that's never a great experience. Um, so for me, it's just like, I want to be with someone who I'm attached to emotionally before making that move. And um, it served me well. Mm -hmm. Did that happen to you a lot in the past? 
you would be like, let's cuddle. And she'd be like, go home. Well, most after sex. That happened once and it was like uh-huh. crippling to me. I just like basically in it for the cuddle. Like that's, that's the, you're in it for the cuddle. Oh, absolutely. So funny. Like, we really are like, we're opposites in that way because I am that girl who's like, go home. Really? If, unless I had established a connection. Well, yeah, yeah. With like, for example, my now boyfriend who we waited a month, but I, I think, and I, can I ask how long did you wait with the girl who said go home after let's cuddle? Oh, that was my one night stand experience. Right, which I that's didn't, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, if you don't feel anything for someone because you don't really know them, it's so easy to say go home. Exactly, you know? yeah. And that's another reason why like the waiting for a month makes sense. Mm-hmm. So did you ever vocalize to your girlfriend like, by the way, I'm not like not trying to like have sex with you. Like, I just like to wait for a month. Or did you just like go slowly and hope that she figured it out? I Definitely the latter, mm-hmm. which I probably should have addressed up front. Because again, those thoughts and self-doubt started to creep in for her. Like, is he actually into me? Is this something that he wants? Right. Um, and after the fact, she she totally got it and respected it. Um, but in the, those initial couple of weeks, it was a little bit confusing to her, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so, I mean, obviously it was worth the wait and you guys have now been together for three years. Correct. Would you say, you know, after three years, if you want to be with someone forever? It's a good question. Um, I think that you you can plan for it and you can talk about it. Um, obviously, there there's elements of doubt that that creep in and you know, I, I think for us, you know, we want to make sure that we can accomplish all the things we want to accomplish before taking that step. And mm-hmm. for us, you know, living together has been, you know, to me a blessing and something that, you know, we share and something that we have done really well together. And, you know, if you ask me like unequivocally, like tomorrow, like, could I say, absolutely, we're going to get married? Like, yeah. Like I, I, I want to say that, mm-hmm. um, but there are so many things that, that can change. And, and obviously depending on where you live and what your career might take, like, I don't, I don't want to do it until we feel a hundred percent right that, mm-hmm. that we're both in good places with our career and our aspirations to be able to say, Hey, like, let's do this. Like right, right. now we're the best companions that we can be. Right. And we know that that's in our future. And is she the same age as you? Uh, so she's just born in November. So. Just a few months basically older. a few months younger. Oh, younger. Yeah, younger. I'm so bad at math. It's well, it could have been 91. Yeah, so. <laughs> true. You never know. Um, great. And then so you mentioned that your mom is Jewish. So I'm assuming that yeah. you identify as Jewish yourself. So it's interesting. Um, I was uh, brought up as Unitarian Universalist. So my dad was Greek Orthodox. My mm-hmm. mom was Jewish. So Unitarianism was a very kind of liberal uh, sort of religion growing up. Um, For the listeners who have no idea what Unitarianism is, can you explain? So it it started off as a like a a Protestant um, religion and sort of morphed into this very liberal, very kind of freestanding religion where you literally could sort of create your own beliefs about things. And there were principles and very much, you know, uh, a church like setup where you go to Sunday school. But it was unconventional in the sense that you would learn about different religions mm-hmm. in fifth grade and then have sex education in, in class. So it was a bunch of different sort of methods of thought. And 
when you come of age, which is the equivalent to your bar mitzvah or your confirmation, you stand up in front of the congregation and you say, hey, this is what I believe based upon my years of teaching. So right. it's pretty pretty awesome in that way. And this came from the Greek Orthodox side? No, or just no. your two parents putting their heads together saying they were like, what religion What are we, we going to do here? This kid. is a pretty you know, messy mashup. Right. Um, and it, there were a lot of mixed faith couples who were doing the same and they had a couple friends who were in the church. So it ended up working out great. That sounds like it was controversial at the time um, because I know even today there are, especially like in the Jewish religion, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of Jewish people, and I can say this because I am Jewish, are very much like Jews have to marry Jews and especially Greek Orthodox. It was tougher on my dad's side. Yeah. Uh, I think my grandparents, my papu and yaya were a little bit more skeptical of the you know, Jewish girl from Brooklyn who my dad right. brought home. Um, my mom's side was very much more relaxed about religion. Mm-hmm. She didn't grow up with like formal religious education or anything. Right. Um, so it just made sense to kind of combine the two and celebrating Passover, Hanukkah, Rosh Hashanah and Greek Easter and Christmas isn't so bad. Right. And you, you learn just a lot more. Uh, totally. about your cultures. How do your grandparents on your dad's side, what do you call them, Papa and Yaya? Papu and Yaya, Papu yeah. and Yaya. That's the Greek side. Got yeah. it. Oh, that actually, that's so good. My parents, I, I became an aunt two days ago. Congrats, Mazel And my parents became grandparents for the first time. And they're thinking of their names, what they will be. And I love Yaya for my mom. Mm. Papu, I don't know. I haven't decided if I love that for my dad yet. <laughs> But I love Yaya from mom, and I'm going to tell her that. But anyway, yeah. um, but they, how were, you know, how, what was their, like, reception to, to Unitarianism? I think they embraced it mm-hmm. um, because it, it wasn't shutting off uh, any one side of the religion. Um, for them, it was like, hey, he can still enjoy the you know the benefits of the greek culture and for them it was more so about the culture than the actual belief system mm-hmm. um greek orthodox is is pretty strict um but they weren't like asking me like hey do you believe that jesus was resurrected or anything like that right. it was more so like hey you know we want to immerse you in the greek festivals at the church and we want to be able to celebrate greek easter and all these different things together and it was a, a very nice compromise for both sides of the family that's really nice and your girlfriend what is her religious background? So, so she was brought up Catholic, um, and her family goes to a non-denominational church. And let me tell you, that was an experience going down there and seeing. You some went of these. to church with her family. So, so she's from Texas originally. Oh wow! Houston, and like I'm as liberal as they come here in New York, right? Mm-hmm. And the Unitarian faith is very liberal in that way. Um, and so I go down there, and she's like, "Hey, like, would love it if you just come to church with my family." Blah blah. blah. So we go and like, I kid you not, the first uh, sermon that I see is about homosexuality and like- Being a sin. Yeah. And it's like how to deal with your friends who have these homosexual urges. And it was- You're like, I just got back from pride. It was was tough. And if it hadn't been the first time I met her family, I would have walked out. And she does not, I mean, she's socially she, liberal. She like right. very aligned with me and she was embarrassed. And and there's a lot of religions that kind of haven't caught up to the age that we're in and are still trapped in that old ideology. And, 
you know, I don't think her parents believe that at all. It's just like, hey, this is part what of the process. What is it called when they want to like wash it out of you? Like the conversion. Like yeah, all that conversion stuff. therapy. Yeah. Is so that, does, did the sermon mention that? That didn't come up. Um, but like they played like a video talking about like, you know, my friend says they're interested in other men. Hmm. Like, <laughs> oh God. how do you deal with that? Right. And so backwards. It was, it was tough. And what's great is like, you know, my girlfriend and I, our biggest strength is that we communicate. So mm-hmm. we immediately talked about it and said like, Hey, like this is where we stand on these issues. These right. are our values. This doesn't reflect that. Mm. Um, and we were able to to move on from it. But like, that was eye opening to me because you live in this New York bubble where like, you don't see that very often. Totally. And you have to have those experiences. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have those experiences to realize exactly that we are in a bubble and like the rest of America, you know, may believe a lot of different shit. Yeah. And and to go through that with your partner is also, I think, important because, sure. you know, it, it's very easy to get caught in this echo chamber of beliefs and being with someone who has different beliefs or is from an area that is a little bit different. It opens up your worldview to so much more. Right. Um, so she's been really great for that. Yeah, that's really great. And um, have you guys talked about the religion that you're, you would raise your kids if you got married? You know, we, we did early on um, and it was not a point of contention, but she was like, yeah, I would love to raise my kids in, you know, the Christian faith. And I was a little bit skeptical of that. Like mm-hmm. I still want them to have their Jewish traditions and whatnot right. and still maintain a, a level of connectedness to their Greek culture as well. Um, but I think we've kind of moved on from that in the sense that we're open to other ideas and I would love to take her to um, some of the the Unitarian services as well, just so that she can experience that and what that's like. And mm-hmm. um, it's tough. It's definitely an interesting conversation. What about your boyfriend? What's uh... he is? Um, he's Christian. I don't think he's Catholic. I think he's just like standard, 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 you know, just like cut and dry Jesus Christian. Is the, the guy. <laughs> um, but I know he's not. He doesn't actively go to church. Okay, and. He he actually, he did go to church when he was like on vacation with his friend and he really had a good time because it was like a fun, like the music was good. It was one of those like island churches. Yeah. You know? Have you been to like Hillsong or one of those? I have not been to Hillsong. Um, I've heard crazy things. I actually have a, <laughs> I have a friend who like loves it, loves it there. And I have a relative who converted to Christianity from Judaism and like you know loves that has like a bible verse in her profile um because she was raised in in Newport, California okay. and it's very primarily christian so i'm not like adverse like i understand christianity and like why people would mm-hmm. be want to be christian and why people would want to be jewish and why people would want to be unitarianism and all that stuff and i you know what i don't think that a religion should define you that much. And I think that like, as long as my children have the traditions of Judaism and whatever good traditions he wants to bring in from Christianity, um, I'm happy. I think, you know, one of my best friends is Muslim and she's marrying uh, a Jewish guy. And they are making it work so that both of their, you know, their kids in the future will have both traditions as well. And I think that like 2019, if anything should be, you know, 
not like, like, I guess not necessarily change because your parents, you know, did both religions, but it should be that, you know, religion shouldn't define who you marry. And it makes me really sad because I see some of my friends who are more religious than me not having a choice in who mm. their partner is based on their religion and being put in a box like you have to marry a Jew and he has to be this and he has to be that and he has to keep yeah. Shabbat and he has to, you know, and it's like, it's so difficult for those people to find, to really find someone. Yeah, you know? it, it's tough. And then you throw in a race difference. Like, totally. <laughs> like my girlfriend's Mexican. Yeah. And like from my grandfather, who's like this kind of waspy, you know, judge in Connecticut. For sure. To realize like, oh, wait, like you mean my grandchildren might not come out 100% totally. white? Like that's probably tough for him to to realize. Definitely. I mean, yeah, my, so my boyfriend's British, so he's not okay. like American, but, and so there are cultural differences, but it's like, to me as who I am, it's like, that's the coolest thing to have someone from a different culture and a different background. I, I can only see myself because I get very easily bored you know, if I found someone who's Jewish from the same background, grew up in You New already York, know what that's like. I've lived that life. Yeah. Like, what are we going to talk about in 25 <laughs> years when I'm like, tell me a story from your childhood? And he's like, I went to Hebrew school. And I went to one camp. Day, and then I went to camp. <laughs> and, you know, then I, and I'm like, I've heard, that's my story. Like, tell another one. And then I'm just going to be like, what have I, what have I done? You know? Yeah. I like that way of thinking about it. Yeah, for sure. So we usually end our episodes with a quote or a piece of advice that you might have for, um, you know, our listeners out there, whether it comes when it comes to like love and dating and, and just like life in general. But before yeah. you say your quote, I have one last question, okay. which I was thinking about before. And it's who, in your opinion, wears the pants in your relationship? Oh, totally her. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, and I want her to wear the pants. Right. Like she is super strong and independent. And like, I am that in my daily life. I'm so type A. I want that in my career. I want that in everything that right. I'm doing. But it's nice to kind of come home and like have someone who's like, hey, here's what the plan is. Here's what we're doing. Mm. And like she owns it. And I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Makes okay. my life a little less stressful too. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So let's hear your quote. So, so my quote, which you can apply to, you know, anything in your relationships and career is actually from Ralph Waldo Emerson. It's that nothing great was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. And like anything that I'm doing, I'm attacking with a smile and positivity. And if you're not going to approach a relationship with enthusiasm and energy, like what are you even in it for? Right. Um, and it just adds a whole new layer to the relationship and just keeps things exciting. So that would be my quote. I love that. Thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having Please me. Please let us know where we can follow you and come to you for our plant consulting yeah. and all of that good stuff. Just uh, FarmerNickNYC on Instagram and then just FarmerNickNYC.com for all the, the plant blog posts, all that good stuff. Great. And stay tuned to find out what plant I end up choosing Yes, as per Nick's suggestion. And also please write us a review or give us a rating in the in your podcast app or wherever you listen. And we have um, two great shows coming up. We've got two really great shows coming up. We've got August 7th in LA at Dynasty Typewriter with Jasmine Robbins, Joe and Kendall from The Bachelor, and Emma Willman, hilarious comedian. So get your tickets to that at wemetatacme.com slash tour. 
And we've got um, another show in Boston that I will be announcing very soon on September 24th. So stay tuned, get your tickets, and hope you enjoyed the episode with Farmer Nick. 